welcome to Novel Finds Podcast, the podcast where we talk about your favorite books, definitely our favorite books, and all the books in between. Hi, I'm Julia, and we have the Julia and Shelby Rosam- Van Rosam show today. Um, hi, Shelby. How are you? Great. How are you doing? Oh, I'm so excited because we are about to talk about one of the greatest books of our generation, I'm sure. Um, a Court of... Oh, gosh, gosh, Wings and Ruin. I almost said A Court of Mist and Fury. I was like, nope, we already did that one, but that's also a good book. <laughs> I always accidentally call it A Court of War and Ruin because it seems like the war book in the series. Oh, it is the war book in the series. I actually almost said Wrath and Ruin because I think that could also work. I'll get off um, Yeah, both start with W's. Um but yeah, so that is this is the book we're talking about, the third in the Akatar series, A Court of Wings and Ruin by Sarah J. Mass. Um, and then also later in this episode, we are going to be extending it to the whole SJM universes. So that part will be full of massive spoilers. The beginning will only be full of spoilers for A Court of Wings and Ruin. So we'll let you know when we get there. But without further ado, how are you? doing what have you been up to what's new uh pretty excellent um since your listeners last heard from me um i've become a third year resident um so i graduate in june of next year and i have my big girl job all lined up i'm going to be an attending physician in less than a year which is very exciting um for those of you who don't know what that means, it's in in the U.S. That's like I finished all of my medical school training. I'm now in charge of other people. I don't have to have somebody looking over my shoulder. If you watch Grey's Anatomy, you understand what that is. Um, so <laughs> it's very exciting. Um, very close. Lots of senioritis going on. Um, um, and then uh, what else happened? Oh, I went to Scotland in mm-hmm. May, and that was just beautiful. Highly recommend. Um, and I got engaged, so that was very yeah, exciting. You did. I was really hoping you were going to mention that. I was like, you got engaged in Scotland. It's not just Scotland. I mean, Scotland is good enough, but the the engagement was just the cherry on top. Oh, oh, yeah. No, the photos looked so great. Mm -hmm. And it's so exciting that you are very close to finishing. You will be a doctor. You'll be a doctor. You'll be a full doctor. Mm Mm-hmm. Is that terrifying? No, not yet. I'm sure it will be (laughs) this time next year when I don't have any like teachers to ask questions to. But right now it's like, okay, I feel confident. I can teach medical students. But then when you're out Mm -hmm. on your own and you're like, holy man, this is something Mm -hmm. I've never seen before. What do I do? Um, Right. When you're suddenly like, where's the adult here? Oh, I I am the adult. (laughs) (laughs) It's me. Hi. (laughs) Oh, man. Um, Yeah. Well, since the listeners last heard from me, it was only a couple of weeks ago, so they kind of basically know what I've been up to. Um, but for you, I moved to England. It's very exciting. I'm, I'm excited. I'm doing theater stuff here. Um, and it's been pretty great. So yeah. That's incredible. And reading, reading a ton. Oh, oh my gosh. Oh, I was so excited when I got my library card. It was literally, I like jumped up and down and then checked out three books from the library immediately. How does it work in the UK? Is it still free like it would be here? Yeah, it's basically the same thing. Like you just have to have an ID and um, like a proof of address to kind of verify that you live in the library's district. Um, and then they'll give you a card and it's it's the same thing. And they have apps too that you mm-hmm. can um, 
find the book, check it out online, and then it'll come in. Um, yeah, it's all all the same shebang. It's pretty cool. Cool. Yeah. So without further ado, let's get into this book. Um, for the summary, I was just going to read the back of it. Beautiful. Okay, great. It's like I don't I did not write a summary. The back of it is perfect. Um, all right. Farah has returned to the spring court, determined to gather information on Tamlin's actions and learn what she can what she can about the invading king threatening to bring her land to its knees. But to do so, she must play a deadly game of deceit. One slip could bring doom not only for Farah but for everything and everyone she holds dear. As war bears down upon them all, Farah endeavors to take her place as one of the high fey of the land, balancing her struggle to master her powers, both magical and political, and her love for her court and family. Amidst these struggles, Farah and Resand must decide whom to trust among the cunning and lethal high lords and hunt for allies in unexpected places. In this thrilling third book in the Court of Thorns and Roses series, the fate of Pharaoh's world is at stake as armies grapple for power over the one thing that could destroy it. Buckle up, folks. Yes! <laughs> oh, man. I am buckled in for this roller coaster. Oh, and it is quite a roller coaster. As you said, it's the war book. And I mean, it's rough when it starts the first 80 pages in the spring court because, mm -hmm. you know, the end of the second book is just agonizing and you just, you're heartbroken. I was heartbroken. And then she's back in the spring court at the beginning of it. It's just why, but we know why. It's this really interesting parallel to A Court of Mist and Fury because in mm -hmm. Aquamath, she starts in the spring court after Under the Mountain, so after this big thing. But in A Court of Mist and Fury, she's suffering from crazy PTSD and she's smothered by Tamlin. Uh, and now she's back in the court, same court, same people, um, mm -hmm. but they don't know that she knows who she is. She has done massive things. She's trained and she's there to be devious and to be a little spy mm -hmm. and to bring the court down. And I love it. I love it too. Oh man, she is so good at at her spy, just being a spy. It's amazing. Um, masterful. I don't know quite how she managed to be that masterful so quickly after like learning her powers only in the last book, but I love it. I'm here for it. Mm -hmm. I love that she has this personal vendetta against Yanti. I think that's how you pronounce it. Uh, because yeah. she's clearly one of the worst characters. Um, she's obviously the worst. Right. And I love how she just subtly undermines her at this festival that they do. I can't remember if it's mm -hmm. like the the solstice or whatever. And all of the yeah, light shines the, on Feyre. The solstice. Yeah. 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 I love that. That and, and Lucian uh, like going with it. Right. Just like, kneeling. Um, yeah. Not even knowing that that is actually kind of part of her plan is she's not only undermining Ianthi, but she's also undermining Tamlin and just like chipping away at the fact that she doesn't want to sleep with him. And like she's been claiming this whole time that, you know, she just, she can't handle being with, with someone after the horrors of, of the night court. And he's like, all right, all right, yeah, I'll back off. But still, like the one time he tries and she's worked up enough to get Lucian to like 
help her i Mm -hmm. guess in her angst but it's completely fake angst but she's oh it's it's so good true master honestly true master uh okay um so this is the third book in the series is this your favorite in in the series so far so this was actually my first reread of A Court of Wings and Ruin. So I've never done a full mm-hmm. reread. I've just reread them actually for this podcast as we go here. Um, oh, nice. And I think A Court of Mist and Fury is still my favorite um, because of the way it just makes you feel after reading Akatar um, and just mm-hmm. discovering all of these things about the Night Court. But I think yeah. A Court of Wings and Ruin is my second favorite. Um you know, it's the action is constant. It keeps the reader engaged. It's just fascinating um, learning more about the other courts um, and just beginning to talk more about the lore of this world. We learn a lot about a lot of different characters, and I think it really mm-hmm. sets it up for um, future things. Uh, yeah, it definitely does. I think what I did also really love about this book is that it does, in a way, bring Feyre's arc to an end. Um, mm-hmm. Whereas there's kind of this trilogy of Favor's journey from, you know, scared human in the cabin at the beginning of Akatar to uh, High Lady of the Night Court at the end of uh, mm-hmm. Akawar. So I think that this book is solid. Um, you know, there are some flaws, as there are too many books, but I think this is my second favorite of the five that are released so far. Yeah, I, w- I would agree with you. Um, because I do like ha- that we get to see more of the lands of Prithian. And they're all gorgeous. I mean, we got to see the summer court last book. And then this book, we get to see more of the autumn court and um, a bit of winter. Also day. I really like day. Mm -hmm. Um, It looks so pretty. In my head, it's gorgeous. Um, And so are all of like the high lords there. I I actually spent a lot of time this time reading through trying to figure out who I thought they looked like. Oh, or like okay. Closer to who I think they were. Because before I was just reading quickly through, I was like, okay, mm-hmm. I want to read Farah and Resand. I was just kind of like glazing over any of the other details. But this time I took my time with it and it was pretty solid. Do you have like actors that you've matched them up with, like in your head, or just like thoughts of like what they look like? I think just thoughts, just mm-hmm. vibes, really. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. Do you have a favorite section in this book? And will you share it if you do? Definitely the High Lord scene. I thoroughly enjoyed yeah. that. Um, like you said, just all of the descriptions, like the richness of what they're wearing and mm-hmm. um, the uh, descriptions of their powers. And I love the intrigue that's going on there, all of the gossip behind the scenes. And um one more, and then the I can never remember her name. Um, the consort um, of the Winter High Lord, um, Vivian. Yes, I think. Vivian. And they just like cling on to each other right away. Um, so that was cute. Um, I definitely love that part. Um, there's a lot of there's a lot of sections that I like. I so this isn't a spoiler because we've talked about it before, but mm-hmm. um, more has a coming out scene um, to Feyre in this book, and I have mixed feelings about it. Um, but one of the parts that I really like, um, that's really powerful, I think, is that mm-hmm. she says, I love myself enough not to settle. Um, and I think that's something important that Moore has realized about herself, even if she doesn't have the courage to talk about mm-hmm. it yet with the inner circle. Um, yeah. obviously there's a lot of, I think, character development that needs to happen with Moore. Uh, but mm-hmm. I think this was a good first step for her. Yeah. 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 I would say, well, 
I mean, she doesn't really have much development Mm -mm. up into the fifth book either. No. Right? Like, she's been traveling a lot. So I'm really hoping that she gets more in, like, the sixth book. More and more. More, more, more. Um, we need more and more of more. Or maybe, no, we'll, we'll talk about it. Yeah, later. I have some headcanons about more. Yeah. So, yeah, I think it would be great. Um, okay. Do you have a least favorite section? I was really annoyed by the plot. Um, so in the big battle at the end with Highburn and they're drowning mm-hmm. and all of a sudden all of their allies come at once. And Miriam and Draken are like, oh, we met up with your dad who met up with Vasa. Um, like they all just like met up and there was no explanation to any of it really. Um, it wasn't, it was just kind of jumbled together. And I do love a good epic, like our allies are here. We're ready to save the day. Um, but I think it was a bit contrived. Um, I also don't really think that it was in character for the Archeron's father to build these ships, like build an army, like cross the ocean. Um, Mm -hmm. I mean, it's a nice sentiment. It really is. But nothing in his character has ever led us to believe that he was capable of that. People could change, right? But it seemed a bit out of character without seeing any of that development. Um, I think it would have been interesting to see a scene or a couple of chapters where Lucian finds Vasa. He helps, mm, you know, with mm-hmm. that, um, with her prison or somehow gets her out, has a deal with her captor and then shows, you know, how they meet up with Farah's father. Maybe there's some development there uh, just so we could buy into that plot line a little bit more. Um, yeah. Yeah. It feels underdeveloped to me. My only thing I think about that is, is, we do get a couple of glimpses, I think, earlier on where he, he was a bit more like proud and big before he became poor. Right. Like when he had it all, he actually did have the confidence. Um, but then he lost it all and it was super depressed. Mm-hmm. And so I, I don't know, maybe getting his bounty back helped mm-hmm. with that. I don't, I don't know. It's, it is hard because we don't get to see that. We really only were in Feyre's head for most of this, sometimes resand, but not, I think only in like the beginning. Right. Um, but I mean, we are basically in resand's head because Feyre is in resand's head. So that's helpful that we kind of get both of them mostly. Right. Yeah. I also didn't like the death of the Surreal. I mean, there were some other deaths, obviously, uh, but I I love the Surreal. He had great tea or she or they. Um, I think it was a good character. Um, I yeah. get why they incorporated the death there. Like it, it seemed meaningful, but um, that was a hard moment. It, it was hard that and and it just it felt like when Dobby dies yes. in Harry Potter yeah. is like you are killing a beloved magical creature Mm -hmm. so this person can feel angst and and be renewed in their fight but like why right you could have had the surreal captured and that would probably have had a similar effect well that and like the whole person behind like killing the surreal in the first place is is but then their death is quite a vindication oh absolutely Hundred percent, love that. Everything for. bad that happens to that character is a vindication. <laughs> <laughs> what is your favorite <laughs> section or line? Um, 
So I actually have a line from this book tattooed on my body. Um, and it's not necessarily my favorite section. I just really love the, um, meaning behind it. And it is, um, you do not fear, you do not falter, you do not yield. Mm-hmm. And Rezand is saying that to Farah as she and Azriel are going to go save Elaine from being, from she just got kidnapped, um, just like yanked out of their war camp. And it's not necessarily that that's my favorite part. I just love that Rezand knew that she was going to do it with or without his blessing because I mean, she doesn't need it. She's the high lady. Um, but obviously she would have anxiety about it if he was like, you really shouldn't be doing this. And then she goes anyway. So instead he fully supports it. He's like, I am your commander as the high Lord. Here are your orders. You do not fear. You do not falter. You do not yield. You get her and get out. And I just, I love that. I feel like it built to that moment where Feyre is completely trusted in doing what she needs to do. He knows that she's capable and he knows that she'll get out. And I just, I love it. I love Mm. that feeling. I think you and I have discussed this sometime in the distant past about this line in Akawar. It's echoed in SJM's Throne of Glass. Um, I do not yield um, is my favorite line from that series. And she Mm -hmm. uses it in a different way. Um, but I think it comes across in the same same feeling, the same vein. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I agree. I also love that that line, that quote, and what it means for Pharaoh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I would say in terms of least favorite section, um, at any time that highburn comes up is my mm-hmm. least favorite. Well, that and, and Tamlin. Anytime Tamlin is in the room, I'm just like, oh, my God, actually cringing into my body. I, yeah, yeah, Tamlin. Um, <laughs> I hate him a little bit less towards the like as the novel goes. And those of you who have read it before will understand that there are some redeeming qualities, but we never love Tamlin again. Um, but yeah, I hate Highburn. I think in my head, Highburn is like Donald Trump, and I just oh. can't can't do it. Can't oh do it. no! Well, now I'm not going to be able to reread this without that. But Highburn's more intelligent than that. So maybe that's not a good, but somebody that you just can't handle. You just can't. You just just can't. He's so slimy. Mm. He's such an oily, oily character. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, and the twins. I hated the twins. Um, Uh, Yeah. I just didn't like how brutal they were. Right. Like it was, but again, I mean, it happens within the first hundred pages. They do die. Their deaths are a vindication. Also, I really love that Farah and Lucian send the Naga after them. <laughs> I think that's so funny. Like, right. it's just, it's, it, it doesn't kill them or anything. They just like, it's basically like a fly. They just, it, it's just a bothersome thing that they've done to the twins Mm -hmm. and tamlin is like rolling his eyes he's like why did you (laughs) (laughs) lucian yeah pharaoh's like okay i have an idea and lucian's just like all right bet i got this (laughs) exactly exactly (laughs) he's like trying to make up for all of the the Mm -hmm. shit that he didn't do right in the second book now he's like okay great we're here right i like lucian a lot better in the third book absolutely i mean i loved lucian in the first book so i'm glad he has a bit of a redemption arc, and we don't hate him the yeah. way that we hate Tamlin. Oh, okay. 
Tamlin is really hard to forgive. I don't, I don't honestly think that I can, to be honest. No, I don't. It's not, it's not there. It's not in the cards for me. No, and I think Feyre's there too, especially at the end when we see her note. I think the opposite of love isn't hate, it's indifference. And I think that's what Mm -hmm. Feyre feels at the end. And I think that's what many of us feel for Tamlin. Like, okay, yeah, sure, we have Highburn, we have all of these gross enemies, and Tamlin did some good stuff. Okay, but we just don't care. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Okay, moving into our next bit, though. We've seen many different uh, courts. Are you still planning to stay in the Autumn Court, or are you moving to a different one? So as much as I love Autumn in our world, I think Mm -hmm. Akawar really reminded me how much I hate the High Lord of the Autumn Court. So Baron and most of his sons are just these like loathsome characters. For the most part, we like the other High Lords, but Baron is just an atrocious character. So I don't Mm -hmm. think I would settle in the Autumn Court. I think that if I was born into their universe, I would have been born into the Dawn Court with healing abilities. Like I would have had that that, like glowing healing magic. And then I would be, um, I can picture myself as like an expatriate of the Dawn Court living in the Night Court, um, apprenticed with Maja, their healer, during the day. Oh, yeah. And then like dancing with more at nighttime at Rita's. Like, I think that's what, I think that's what my life would be like. Oh, I see this for you. That's great. Especially with your promo photo that it's, it's the, it's the purpley dress one. The long purple dress with the long sleeves. Oh, perfect. Um, it was giving more vibes. And so I was like, we're going to do this. This is the one. Oh, perfect. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, I think I'll probably still stay in the night court. But I did briefly consider summer. Um, oh, okay. Even though it was ravaged, um, I just, I really like the idea of beaches. Fair, fair. I think I would never go to the summer court. I don't like beaches. I don't like sand. Um, <laughs> I would go, I would want to like, I would want to visit the day court, um, especially mm-hmm. with all of their libraries. So I think like Madra oh, and I yeah. could take some day trips to the day court. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, never summer. Fair enough. Yeah. I mean, the one thing that it has its downfall is that it's not like ever sweater weather in the yeah. summer court, which yeah. is why I think sticking with the night court is better and then visiting to go to the beach would be great fair enough fair enough for the winter court i mean the winter court we haven't actually seen inside of it yet and i hope we do at some point same with the day court i think because i think it's dawn court that we see and then day day court is hellion's court and we haven't seen his so then it would be done yeah so i would really like Mm -hmm. to see inside those courts and just like Mm -hmm. see what the the lifestyles look like yeah book six we're gonna get there i hope so. maybe Um, there were a ton of new characters brought in, though, in book three. Do you have a new favorite? Of the characters? Or just, like, someone to add to the favorites? Right, right. I think of the characters, I thought of this as, like, which of the new characters was your favorite? Mm -hmm. Um, and I think Hellion is definitely mine. So he is the High Lord of the Day Court. He seems really, like, right when you meet him, you're like, oh my god, what a dick. Um, but then almost immediately after the meeting with the High Lords, he comes in and he knows Resand. This is definitely a front, just like Resand puts on. Um, so I really like him. He's on good terms with Resand and his courts. Um, and he's obviously attractive. Um, his court sounds interesting. He's just this like fabulous bisexual spellbreaker. And what more mm-hmm. could you want? 
Yeah. I actually for for him, I did picture um Idris Alba. Ah, okay. Okay. Because I thought that would be that would be cool. Yeah. I could see that. I think he I think he has the swagger for it. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um I would say my favorite is probably um Vivian, mm-hmm. just because I mean she and Moore were so like quick to to um gossip and stuff and I just loved that Moore had a friend. And then I also love that Vivian held her own. Like when Amarantha had everyone under the mountain, um Vivian was keeping the winter court safe, which was I think amazing. And um and that she is now the lady of the the winter court, but she is like, oh, how can I become the the, the the high lady of this now? When she finds out that Feyre is the high lady, it's just it's so funny. She mm-hmm. added a lot of levity, I think, to all of the conversations that she was in, which was great. Yeah, I would agree. She's definitely among the top of the the new characters. And I think she really helps to convince her mate, the High Lord of Winter, to join the fight and to do the mm-hmm. right thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really like that she wasn't just a mate. She had this rich backstory and evidently was a powerful fae in her own right. Yeah, yeah. And also the Winter Court has like snow animals in their army. And that's just so funny to me. Um because I didn't, I didn't remember that when I read it through mm-hmm. the first time. So I think this was actually my second read through of the book as well. And um, just reading that there were polar bears in armor. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh man, um, yeah, it was pretty cool. So um, talking about pretty cool things, though, what would you say is the most epic part of A Court of Wings and Ruin? That's a hard question. Um, is this is the whole book is yeah, epic? It's pretty epic. <laughs> um, it's like epic scene after epic scene after epic scene. You barely yeah. get a breath in. Um, I wrote a couple down. The first one is right in that um, that transition from Feyre and Lucian in the Spring Court to going back to the Night Court portion of the book, where mm-hmm. Feyre and Lucian are out of their magic because of the Feybane or whatever it's called. They've mm-hmm. been like trekking for days. Um, Lucian's brothers finally catch up to them. They're at their wits' end, and all of a sudden, bam! Cassian and Azriel are just there, like ready to take it on. Like dark wings spreading. I can just imagine mm-hmm. like the power crackling. Uh, so that was pretty epic because there hadn't been a lot of like epic scenes up until that moment, um, and then kind of from there, a lot of different epic battle scenes occur. So I really liked that. And, um, you know, right off the bat, Feyre is talking about being a high lady to uh, Eris and his other brothers. So it's just mm-hmm. this interesting epic moment where she's reclaiming her title and entering back into the night court. Yeah, yeah. It It is it is a movie moment, mm-hmm. I think. Just imagining these these dark feet slamming down on the ice and snow and then looking up and seeing that it's it's one of the bat boys. Oh, if only. <laughs> Ugh, right? Oh man. I I really like the moment where um like the they're, they're not they're kind of monsters. I want to say the monsters are like unhidden in the in the final battle of the book. Oh right. Feyre yeah. has these two new tattoos on her body. <laughs> and 
And she's been like exerting her mental strength in keeping these beings hidden. Mm-hmm. And then uh, she tells Resand, and Resand also has a new tattoo on his body because that's what happens when you make deals in the night court. And like he unleashes what he's been hiding mm-hmm. and turns out it's like three massive monsters that just completely wipe out a lot of Highburn's first few um like arms of of the whole battle and I just think it's so cool. Yeah, absolutely. I love that one. And I yeah. think I think I shared this with you at some point during my reread, but I think of Briaxis, uh he's one of the monsters mm-hmm. as Toothless the Dragon just because yeah. like Briaxis has never actually harmed like the Night Court, so I think of him as this little like He's terrifying. Cassian's afraid of him, but, you know, he's actually only been helpful to them thus far. Um, so yeah. in my head, he's just kind of like this cute side character. And we don't see him again um, at this point in the series. So that's kind of a mm-hmm. loose end. Um, but yeah, I agree that that was really epic. Um, I think along those veins is when Amryn is finally released from her almost like mortal, immortal mm-hmm. fae form. Mm-hmm. And that was really epic because Feyre takes it upon herself to she's controlling the cauldron. She's doing this spell on her own and she releases Amran, who then just decimates the army, of course. Oh, um, yeah. But that was pretty epic, too. Yeah. Am- Amran. That's a, a rough spot because it it's it is kind of a betrayal, but it's not at mm-hmm. the same time. Mm-hmm. And it's just it's so rough but i love that resound is able to bring her back and and she isn't like completely in this incorporeal like man-eater form mm-hmm. she goes back to being amran uh which is great because there's a lot of death in this book right right i think mm-hmm. i think the loss of amran would have been a poor choice because i think there's yeah. more to come um with her character certainly definitely um, well, speaking of which, do you have any headcanons or theories about Akawar? Uh, yes. Uh, so it was a little hard to think <laughs> about theories specifically for Akawar because we know a little bit what happens next in the next two yes, novels. Uh, mm-hmm. But there are a lot of things that are still loose ends. One uh, I just kind of touched on was Briaxis. So at some point, I hope we see that that journey, that adventure of going mm-hmm. off to search for Briaxis. Um, in general, I said um, like more. So character that's not been well flushed out we know that her power is truth although they Mm -hmm. really don't describe that very well um in the next few books we read that she's frequently off she has new land with horses like what is she even doing um there's just this mystery surrounding her other than you know she's she drinks wine she's secretly queer um she's the morrigan um I've heard some interesting theories about her. Uh, one is that she could be High Lady of the Dusk Court, which is the the court that is lost, that people suppose that like the Ooh. prison is based off of. Like that <gasps> prison land was Dusk Court and that Moore is actually like the descendant of them. I don't know if that holds I any stake. I I am very interested in the prison and right. the stuff surrounding that. Yeah, I think we... We, I hope we learn more about it because it's fascinating. Yeah. I also was listening to a podcast and they talked about Moore and Vasa getting together, which is very interesting, um, which I didn't think of on my own at first. But it makes sense because Moore's first lover was a human queen in the first war. Mm-hmm. And that would nicely parallel that where it's this other human queen um, mm-hmm. with, you know, some 
obviously some great power, some great, I don't know, maybe great's not the word, a um, a personality, um, you know, however oh, you would yeah. put that. But uh, I thought that that was an interesting um, headcanon. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I even saw, so for those of you who have read the Throne of Glass series, there are a, there's a set of characters that are witches in that book. And more seems to parallel some of the the witches. So they're called Cochrane witches. They wear red. Um, and more always wears red. What else did I write down that that she seems to like parallel them? Oh, that's true. Um, I don't remember what else I wrote down, but and then I think it was something about the way her power is described that seems like she could be a witch. Um I don't know. That one may be a little bit vague, but I think mm-hmm. that Moore has a lot of mysteries in store for us. Yeah, yeah. Well, maybe the sixth Akatar will be Moore and Elaine. Because I think it was it was mostly Nesta and Cassian mm-hmm. in Silver Flames. Was Asriel? I've only read Silver Flames once. No, I think Azrael has a bonus chapter, but that's okay. really it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So we definitely need more from Azrael as well, but I think I'm just more yes. intrigued by more uh, because she is so mysterious. <laughs> this is true. Oh man. I really I really like the Dusk Court. I mm-hmm. think that is fascinating because mm-hmm. I completely forgot that that was actually also a time of the day <laughs> that that should have been part of Prithian. Right. Did I also mentioned Dusk Court dusk at all i don't think so and i think a lot of these theories came out we're going to talk about this later but when crescent yeah. city came out i think dusk court started being this like theory that was just like ruminating around i maybe had something mm-hmm. to do with the starborn in crescent city um that's not really a spoiler um so yeah. i don't know it could be fascinating yeah. I also think that based on this book, um, Draken and Miriam would be something interesting to learn more about. So not necessarily like a specific headcanon, but I think that there would be more to come. So they're off yeah. on their like safe island and they have these items of power there, like the cauldron and their other items. So I feel like they need to come back around at some point in the story. Yeah, it could almost be like its own novella. Right. Or SJM could just like write all of these different books about a day in the life of these characters right right or even a prologue like if we could actually have the story of the great war instead of Mm. just these flashbacks from characters that would be yeah definitely would be something i would read yeah oh that would be epic that would be epic okay all right is there anything else we want to talk about in regards to akawar do you have any theories i don't um last time you mentioned that there was a theory that elaine and tamlin Mm. are mates and lucian is covering that up and so as i was reading it this time around uh i i don't i don't think i think it's Mm -mm. a loose theory that's not i don't think it holds much water i don't think it does either um wasn't my own theory, but it was interesting, right? Mm. Because Elaine certainly mimics the spring court in her hobbies of yeah, like gardening. it definitely would mm-hmm. fit, and it, I think it would maybe give Tamlin more of an arc, but like, or more of like a redemption. Yeah, but I think he's just so far gone for most people that maybe that was an early draft, and then things were left in. I don't know. 
And we don't really want more Tamlin anyway. I mean, we don't. Lucian's more interesting. And he is. And he is a better male. Right. Absolutely. And a little bit of spoiler, but we think he's probably Hellion's son, um, which would make him the heir to Daycourt, which would fit better with Elaine's, I guess, hobbies than an autumn court person. (laughs) So I guess that kind of makes sense. This is true. This is true. yeah, I hope that gets confirmed mm-hmm. because it's it's only a theory, but it's not like a that one actually does have a lot of weight in it. Yeah, and it's directly talked about in the book. It's not just something yeah. made up by fans. Like Favor's yeah. like, oh, they have the same nose. I mean, SJM is basically telling us that Lucian mm-hmm. is the son of Hallian. Yes, one hundred percent. Okay, all right. So that was a court of wings and ruin. If you don't want massive spoilers about the rest of Sarah J. Moss's books. And now, we love you. Thank you for listening. (laughs) See you next time. Cheers. (laughs) If you, like us, have read um, all of the other ones, except I have not read. I'm still working on my tandem read of, of the Throne of Glass and then I have the last one. So I'm on the last three books. Gotcha. Yes. But I'm mostly through the last two or like the the third and how many books are even in that? Uh, I'm looking at my bookshelf right now. There are many. There are many books. <laughs> there are many. I think I want to say there's eight mm. and I'm on six and seven, but I'm mostly through six and seven with mm-hmm. the tandem read. And so I haven't read the final one. In Throne of Glass. Okay. I will not give you any direct spoilers because some of my answers do include that book because it's a very important book. It is an important book. Mm -hmm. And so that's why I wanted to come right out the gate. I have not read that one, but I have read both Crescent Cities and all of Akatar and most of Throne of Glass. Perfect. Yes, we got this. We need to talk about it. Um, She told everyone that the universes are connected. Mm -hmm. She told everyone. What were you, what went through your head when you learned that? Uh, well, when she said it, I already knew. Um, we well, yeah, we have direct evidence from the books that they're all connected. Right. Um, like the books, there's some books mm-hmm. in uh, Bryce's library that she works at that are in like the other books. Right. And yeah. there's evidence in Kingdom of Ash, which is the final book in Throne of yeah. Glass. Um, and I'm not going to spoil it, but there's evidence. Um, and then in Crescent City too, there's evidence that oh, 100%. You know, it's pretty obvious. Yeah. So I wasn't surprised. Um, I think that snippet of her interview was interesting because now it shows it's not just going to be these loose associations we're seeing in these mm-hmm. novels. It's oh no, I'm bringing them together. This is a multiverse Avengers situation. Um, get ready. ready. <laughs> well, that and she also recently was like, oh, is Throne of Glass over? Is it over? And, I don't know. Is it? Um, and we're like, Sarah, you can't you can't do that. Like, stop. <laughs> Tell us if it's over or not. <laughs> but it's not. It's never over. No, it's not. No. I mean, even Throne of Glass can be over, but we can bring those characters to Crescent City and the Akatar world because those yeah. books are not finished. They're they're not over. Yes, one hundred percent. Um, okay. So Throne of Glass, Crescent City, Agatar. Mm-hmm. I think they all have different eras going on. They're all slightly different 
time frames. I think Akatar and Throne of Glass are probably the closest together if if they were running on the same timeline. Um, but different universes. Crescent City is way ahead. You know, just I think it's ahead because it is so urban. It's it's a city. It has technology that it uses. They have phones and stuff, and mm-hmm. and they don't really use that in the other mm-hmm. two series. Um, what do you think about that? I propose that they're on the same timeline. Um, I do understand that theory because of Crescent mm-hmm. City's advance, and I could definitely still see that being the case. We have evidence that Throne of Glass, Kingdom of Ash, the final novel, takes place around the same time as A Court of Silver Flames. There's evidence mm-hmm. in that book that would support that. You'll see it when you come to it. Okay. Um, so we see that they're probably in different universes, um, but running around the same timeline, as you suggested. And they mm-hmm. seem to fit a little bit more with the style of the time. Yeah. Crescent City does seem more urban, does seem more advanced. But there's some interesting evidence, I think, that talks about why they might be on the same timeline. Um, so in, I think it's in A Court of Silver Flames... Amran's talking about these powerful items that were made by the cauldron, and some mm-hmm. of them are the swords. So one of the swords is, Amran says, no one has been able to create a magic sword in more than 10,000 years. The last one made, the great blade Gwydion, vanished around the time the last of the trope went missing. And now we know that Bryce, who is the main character of Crescent City, has mm-hmm. Gwydion. Um, so mm-hmm. when the High Fae from Prithian were taken away by the Asteri to the Crescent City world, um, somehow that sword came with them. So I think that their culture, their civilization broke off from Prithian mm-hmm. thousands and thousands of years ago. So that supports that yeah. they're on the same timeline. Um, so then, uh, I mean, is it then like Bryce's father is probably brothers with Baron or something? Yeah, baby. Or, like, very distant relatives. Right. I don't know. They both have red hair and they're both assholes. So right, exactly. That just makes me think that they're related. Right. And we see at the end of Akawar that Reese looks a lot like Rune, who is Bryce's brother. So we know that they're related somehow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Okay, could, so it could go either way. Running, yeah. They're all running at, at similar time frames. I think so. different you think different planets are completely different universes? It feels like universes, um, based on the descriptions we have in Kingdom of Ash, um, and I think in Crescent City, a little bit of how the travel happens. Um, mm-hmm. But I could see it going either way. I mean, does it really matter if they're different universes? Maybe, maybe not. Um, you know, a, a planet uh, without space travel is equivalent to a different universe. So um, basically, yeah, yeah. That's true. Yeah, I think universes based on mm-hmm. what we see in Kingdom of Ash. Um, so. That and, and the end of Crescent City, too. Right, right. Yeah. But who mm. knows? SJM knows. We do not know. We can theorize, though. This is all mostly theoretical. <laughs> um, we might know more in a couple of months. I think January comes out. So oh Yeah, it comes out January 30th. I am so pumped for it. Um, but also I'm really annoyed that there are so many different chapters, like different extra bonus chapters. Oh, right. At so many different stores. 
I usually just pick Barnes and Noble. I'm a Barnes and Noble loyalist, and then I just like find a PDF online of the other ones. But it is annoying. Yeah, I just the only one that I'm really interested in is the Walmart one. But I also don't want to shop at Walmart. Right? Do you even have a Walmart where you are? <laughs> Not in England. No, <laughs> no I but didn't in, think so. In... <laughs> No, but I could get my family to go to oh. Walmart. <laughs> I was just picturing this Walmart smack dab next to this beautiful cathedral, and it just didn't compute in my head. <laughs> I could picture a no. Target, but not a Walmart. They don't have Target here. Oh, really? Um, Yeah, yeah. But they have Taco Bell. <laughs> Priorities, England. <laughs> <laughs> There's there's a Taco Bell and a McDonald's, and I actually recently went to a place called Yankee Land. Um, <laughs> Keeping it classy. <laughs> it was actually pretty good. Yeah. I'm not gonna lie, it was definitely like it odd Americana like posters on the wall, mm-hmm. like lots of Marilyn Monroe, one Audrey Hepburn, um, one busty woman on a motorcycle and it was it was an odd odd choice america (laughs) busty women on motorcycles (laughs) yeah Uh, but the food tasted good that's good so that's all right (laughs) can't complain um okay yes back to rune and reese though how do you think they're related i I can't remember the names of all of the sisters in Crescent City, um, but there are these sisters that are like brought through the portal and have children with like the princes of hell, I think. I could be misremembering Ooh. this, but I think somehow it must be a direct ancestor that one stayed on like in Prithian and the other went through yeah. this portal and... I mean, it's interesting that they look so much alike if it's yeah. this same timeline situation where, you know, the the direct ancestor for both was like thousands of years ago. Um, mm-hmm. So that would be quite, kind of interesting that they would still look so alike, but it's magical world. So who knows? Um, so I don't know exactly how they're related, um, but clearly they are. Do you have a better explanation mm-hmm. for it? I really don't. I was I was hoping you had an explanation mm-hmm. because I was just I'm so curious i just i mm-hmm. need to know and i don't i guess the the characters from hell because there are ones there are specific princes of hell mm-hmm. in all three series and i guess Rezand is one of them at this point right. um that would be the easiest connection because i mean if we're connecting all of the universes throne of glass has it Crescent City has it. Mm-hmm. Agatar doesn't really, but we have the dark, the like night court. Right. Um, so it's it's just it's interesting. I would like to know more. There's definitely a connection. She wouldn't have set it up like that if there wasn't a connection. We just yeah. don't know what it is yet. I don't think it's clear yet. Mm-hmm. Well, that and like the language barrier. Oh, right. Is is something that I found really interesting because I'm pretty sure the language that they're speaking in Akatar is like a really, really old ancient language in mm-hmm. Bryce's Crescent in Crescent City. Right. Because they break off at fifteen thousand yeah. years and Prithian develops or stays the same and over in Crescent City with all of these different species, they develop this, I guess, new dialect of the language. Yeah. Uh, I completely forgot about that piece. Um so that's mm-hmm. fascinating. Um 
probably, I mean, that could support a future and past situation, but it doesn't quite make sense with the breaking off of the Crescent City world, like the Fae being brought. So that has to happen sometime in the past, almost. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It's fascinating. I definitely need to know oh. more. Oh, yeah. What do you think is going to happen in the third book, House of Flame and Shadow? Right. I don't know. I think we're going to learn more about the heritage. I mean, we have to. Um, mm-hmm. We, I think, are going to see a little bit of getting the whole gang together, um, like all of the characters, um, obviously our beloved Akatar characters and Bryce. Um, yeah, I think some I mean, they're stuck together. Right. How long are they going to be together? Right. Also, Azriel and Bryce. Right. No, a- Azriel and Gwyn, though. I, I ship them. I don't know. I like them. But also, I guess there was a point, I think. I mean, SJM has tricked us before. Mm-hmm. She has. Um, but I think in the House of Flame and Shadow summary, it says that Bryce is going to be reconnected with her mate, which we assume is not one of the Akatar characters. Right. But is it? Oh, we I don't know. know. I don't know. Um I feel like somehow, because we know the Akatar gang is great at like, all right, here's our plan. This is what we're going to do. Let's, mm-hmm. you know, I think somehow they're going to find a way back to Midgard, the Crescent City world, mm-hmm. um, to try to help Bryce in some way. And I could see, I think this would be very on point for Throne of Glass characterization. Um, it's just these two kind of the Crescent City, the Akatar gang working together most of the novel. And then at the end, we see Aelin Galathinius walk up, like, through a portal of flame, like, I'm here. I'm here, bitches. I'm ready. Right. She's like, what do you need me <laughs> Let for? me at you them. Yeah. yeah. Not again. You know, that situation. But mm. I think that would be in character for her if it were to go that route where she's bringing everybody together in this book. Yeah. I mean, with flame, that would make sense. Mm-hmm. And then shadow, maybe it's... It's Resand. as is. Or as is. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, I'm just thinking like Shadow Singer. Right, right, right. No, that's a good but thought. also, Lorcan can do that. Mm-hmm. He, I think, is the only character in Throne of Glass, mm-hmm. at least that I've encountered, um, that can jump through space. Right. And I saw interesting theories a while back of somehow Lorcan and Asriel being of a similar descent. Yeah, um, that's kind of what I was thinking. So it'd be interesting to learn a little bit more of how the Throne of Glass universe is connected to the Akatar universe. Mm-hmm. If clearly there's also some similarities with the High Fae. Yeah, like they have to be connected. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we have sort of figured out the Crescent City Akatar connection mm-hmm. with them like splitting. Right. So how does Throne of Glass fit in? Right. I don't know. I don't. I don't know either. We're going to have to have a whole episode just dissecting this third book. <laughs> <laughs> we can do it with a court of uh, Frost and Starlight because that's not a very meaty book. <laughs> it's such a short book. <laughs> We're going to need to like pad for time. <laughs> the Christmas special of the Akatar series. Yeah. Uh, like we'll just we'll spend 15 minutes talking about the Christmas special and then we will go into all of Crescent City 3. Um <laughs> What do you think is the connection between Amarin and Fury Axtar? Because Bryce clearly says that they mm. look similar at the end of that mm. book. Well, okay. So Amarin said that her father opened a portal and basically she was very curious and she went through. So Amarin could, and she's been around forever. Um, 
she could have just not been the only one that went through the portal. Fury could have also gone through the portal Mm -hmm. or like a descendant. Or if she really is that old, went with the the group that left Prithian 1500 years ago and has been just living in a different universe doing that. Like maybe they're Mm -hmm. sisters. That would be kind of cool. I didn't think of that because... When Amorin goes through the portal, she doesn't look like that. She's this, like, being, this, like, angel being with yeah. light. And then she picks this fey form to look like. Um, and I think Akawar, A Court of Wings and Ruin, actually, I totally forgot about this piece. Um, but when they are in, I think it's the Dawn Court, um, the Highlord of the Dawn Court talks about this person called Nuan. She's the one that comes up with the antidote for the Feybane. And he describes her as beautiful, long silk and black hair, onyx eyes. Um, and then Feyre compares her appearance to Amarin. So maybe like mm. that. And she's from Xian, X-I-A-N, which is this other land on the Prithian mm-hmm. universe that we don't know much about. So maybe Amarin is basing her chosen like mortal fey form on this race of people somehow. And then Fury's mm-hmm. actually a descendant of those people. I think there's a couple of different ways they could make this. Well, that or know, Amarin, this. like specifically modeled after Fury. I mean, right? Fifteen hundred years is not that long, right? In the Fey, because Resand is like five hundred years old, right? And he is definitely not the oldest one in that universe, right? Like Fury could have started out on Prithian, and yeah. Amarin had seen her at some point in the very distant past. Fury goes through the portal. So this mm-hmm. is why they look the same. Hmm. It's a good thought. Mm-hmm. I think I actually I... completely forgot <laughs> that Fury looked like Amrin. <laughs> I read this other seer- this other um, theory that so Amrin's in this other world, ravaging chaos on. I think it's supposed to be like humans or Fey that her father mm-hmm. is taking vengeance on. Like maybe they looked like that. Maybe they looked like Fury Axtar, and that's how she had that idea in her head to like package herself into that type of body Mm, because when she comes into we don't know how she gets imprisoned when she comes into the akatar universe we don't know if it happens right away does she spend a long time just being out like the weaver Mm -hmm. is it's uncertain exactly how this all happens um does she meet Faye before he goes into the prison i'm not sure well, didn't even like the bone carver just walked himself into the prison. Right. Right. He just wanted to hang out there. Right. And then he just walks out basically like when he has a good enough reason to do so. Yeah. That part. I mean, I feel fair as annoyance in that. Like that's rough. Mm-hmm. I get it, but it's rough. Right. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm, I'm intrigued by, I think a lot of this has to do with like that breaking off point uh, between yeah. Prithian and Midgard. So I'm really excited to learn more about that. Uh. Me too. Do you think that the Asteri are in any way related to the big bad in um, Throne of Glass and in Akatar? So, like, Throne of Glass has the Volg, which are kind of like these mm-hmm. dark characters. And then we don't see them really in Akatar, but they talk about the Daglan, which were defeated thousands of years mm-hmm. ago. Um, I wonder if they're somehow connected. You know, I, I think they could be. Mm-hmm. I was really convinced that the Volg and was it the it was when I first started the audiobooks for Throne of Glass and I messaged you and was like, I think that these characters are connected because mm-hmm. 
there's the Crescent City. I don't remember what it's called, but it's like this milky, gross monster thing that just like shreds people most of the time. Okay. That I think could be connected to the Vogue somehow. Is it the Knock? Possibly. I can't remember what it's called either. Crescent City is very rich in its world building right it's off the bat. Thick. And yeah. it's a lot. Both, and I don't remember. Both are thick. And yeah. I don't remember either. Um, it's it's mostly seen in the first book. I don't think it's really seen in the okay. second one. Okay. Um, I'm going to have to reread those two books before I get the third one, though. Oh, I know. Absolutely. I don't mm. remember a lot of what happened except for the big plot points yeah all of the the major plot points mm-hmm. i remember but anything before that also the fact that they do not have sex in the first like they just keep getting blocked right in crescent city like you want it to happen it almost happens mm-hmm. and then it doesn't happen it's one of the most frustrating things i've ever read i know can you imagine so i read them together so i did not read crescent city until the second one came out and thank God that I did, because can you imagine being a fan and reading Crescent City and being so on edge with this tension and having to wait a year to read Crescent oh, City, too, for just no. some satisfaction? I know. SJM. But I mean, now we're there with Crescent City 3. Right, right. <laughs> Which is this Spoilers, even bigger buildup. They've had sex right. in, in the second book. Right. But you have to get through a lot of pages in the first one. And the second one. Mm-hmm. Right. And she's a little <laughs> bit more free with the with the smut in the Akatar series. I feel like Crescent oh, City yeah. is more high fantasy world building than it is um, smutty right. fantasy. And Throne of Glass doesn't really have a ton of smut in it either, actually. No. Like, not until the later books. Yeah. And it's in- it was intended to be young adult. Um, mm-hmm. So I can understand why they didn't have that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And she wrote the first book, I think, when she was 16 or something like that. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. It fits with the the timeline. Well, it's very good considering she wrote it at 16. It is. I mean, you can see a little bit of the the growth when you read Akatar mm-hmm. versus reading the first couple of books of Throne of Glass. But she really mm-hmm. develops as she goes along the Throne of Glass series. And I think she writes Kingdom of Ash somewhere in the middle of uh, when she's writing the Akatar series. And you can really mm-hmm. see that author development, I think. Yeah, yeah. I actually really like the way that I read through her universes, mm-hmm. her her different series, because, I mean, Akatar is very easy mm-hmm. to get into. And then I went to Crescent City because I wanted a thick book. And right. I was like, this is this is going to be it. Um, and it was very good. And mm-hmm. then I was like, oh, my God, that cliffhanger. I can't even. Um, and so then I started listening to the Throne of Glass audiobooks. I was like, oh, yeah, it, it I think Throne of Glass. She weaves a lot of things into it that she then uses in other books, mm-hmm. which is very cool. I should have written more things down. So I read it. I read Akatar, then I read Throne of Glass, and then I read Crescent City. And when mm-hmm. I was reading Crescent City, there were so many pieces where I was like, oh my gosh, that's Throne of Glass. Oh my gosh, that's Throne of Glass. And mm-hmm. I should have written more of them down. I think if I do a Crescent City reread, um, I don't think I need to do a Throne of Glass reread at this point. Um, but when I do a Crescent City reread, I think I want to point those things out to myself. One of the things that I remember were the portals. Um, there are like portals in Throne of Glass. There's mm, portals mm-hmm. in Crescent City. 
it's this magic that seems to be similar. And I'm intrigued to yeah. see if that's somehow related. Mm, yeah. I don't know. Uh, hopefully we get all of it in the third Crescent City book. I'm sure we won't. But no, we won't. We can only hope. As long as we right. figure out how Rune and Reese are related, I think, you know, that's a big thing for me. Yeah. Give the people what they want. Right. Just give them one thing. Sarah. One thing that they want. All right. Well, um, I was just going to recommend, you know, the other books in Sarah J. Moss's universe. <laughs> because if you if you want to read more of it after our amazing theories of of kind of spoilery stuff but not really but also it wouldn't make sense to anyone that hadn't read them right already um if you're interested i would say read read the rest of sarah's sarah j mass's books yeah absolutely yeah 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 um i did come up with some other ones for people who are like i've read them all i know that all the series um so Priory of the Orange Tree is, Ooh, yeah. um, that's been a very popular book talk book. And it does mm-hmm. have a prequel out now as well that I haven't gotten to yet. Um, so Samantha Shannon wrote The Bone Season many years ago, and she wrote The Priory of the Orange Tree a few years ago. It's thick. Mm-hmm. It's an undertaking. Um, but it's this awesome, amazing world-building world. Um, there's a sapphic romance. There's dragons. Um, there's different, like, species or, like, races. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's really good uh, if you like high fantasy and there's some romance in there. Yeah. It's not quite as smutty as as (laughs) Akatar. That's okay. Um, I also wrote down City of Brass. I don't know if you've heard of that. It's a trilogy. Yeah. I really liked it. It's uh, Shannon uh, Chabrakavorty, I believe, is the author. Uh, So it's pretty high fantasy, a lot of political intrigue, but it's very different. It's not that standard like medieval England type world. It's more set Mm -hmm. in like Egypt and the desert and that sort of culture, uh, which I thought very fascinating. So and they also have magic and magical beings. Um, Yeah. So that's more of a like high fantasy political intrigue sort of series. Yeah, I I like that. Yeah. Oh, actually, have you read Fourth Wing yet? No. I have it on my bookshelf um, because, and I haven't listened to that episode yet um, because I don't want any spoilers, but it's on my bookshelf and it's up next. I just have to finish my current read and then I'll head on to that one. Man. Oh, man. Okay. Well, you have to just pre-order Iron Flame at this point. Absolutely. I do that with so many novels where I'm like, well, I know I'm going to like it. So, (laughs) Oh, because that one, I think in terms of you know, the vibe, you just can't put any of the Akatar down. Mm-hmm. A fourth Wing had that vibe for me where I just, I could not stop reading it, even though like I had to work and there were things I had to prepare for where I was like, <laughs> okay, I can read for an hour or like I would do 20 minutes reading and then 20 minutes doing something else. Mm-hmm. And oh man, it is addictive. It is very addictive. Oh, good. I can't wait. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, um, is there any any final thoughts? I don't think so. Highly recommend no. the whole series. Highly recommend yeah. the whole universe. So please yeah. read them so we can theorize with you. Oh, my gosh. Please theorize with us. That would be so fun. Uh, we could just start a whole Discord group. I don't know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for talking about all of these theories and spoilers and everything, Shelby. I had so much fun. Absolutely. Anytime. Well, we heckin' did it, y'all. Thanks so much for listening. If you like what you heard and want to support the show, share it with your other bookish friends and family members. 
And if your podcast app has ratings, please take a minute to rate and review the show. Thanks again for being a novel friend. We'll see y'all next week. Bye.